0: Hello and welcome to the episode of Everything is Canon, the CineLinks Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Dunk, and however you may have found your way here, thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. Today in the show, I'm talking to agent author Eric Smith all about his latest book, You Can Go Your Own Way, which I described as, if you need a little injection of honey into your veins, might I recommend Eric Smith's slice of life tale, You Can Go Your Own Way. Magically nostalgic, earnest, and heartfelt, this is a wonderfully inconsequential story, and that is not meant as an insult. Definitely recommend. Yes, You Can Go Your Own Way may seem like a surface level, stuck inside during a snowstorm, slow burn romance type of book. But the truth is, once you dig into the two mains, Adam and Whitney, there's a lot more going on theme-wise that I think most folks will find relatable in some way. And of course, for you pinball nerds out there, prepare yourselves accordingly. Eric and I talk about the fun, nostalgic aspect of the book, the road to being an agent and an author, his very personal submission in the DK book Allies Anthology, You Can Go Your Own Way, of course, and much, much more. While this is a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out, so if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled at all, better stop listening now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. November is a little light on the social media calendar as far as the entire month is concerned, but there's a a few days worth uh, mentioning. November 1st, um, if this show hasn't come out yet is World Vegan Day, which is good for me As I am a vegan, November 1st is also National Authors Day Which is good for my guest, obviously November 8th is National Cappuccino Day Which is great because I survive on coffee November 16th is International Day for Tolerance Which is obviously a great thing And something we should be doing all year long Not just November 16th <laughs> uh, And my favorite, November 19th is both International Men's Day and Women's Entrepreneurship Day So you can figure that one out Um, A lifelong lover of writing and books, Eric Smith is a literary agent and young adult author from Elizabeth, New Jersey. As an agent, Eric's worked with PS Literary, where he's worked on New York Times bestselling and award-winning books. As a YA author, his books include The Ink Duology, the anthology Welcome Home, The Girl in the Grove, and Don't Read the Comments. His first nonfiction book, The Geek's Guide to Dating, was published with Quirk Books in December of 2013. It was an indie-bound bestseller and is sold into eight languages. He currently lives in Philadelphia with his wife and son, where he enjoys video games, pop punk, and crying over every movie. He's here today to discuss his new book, You Can Go Your Own Way, which I described as, if you need a little injection of honey into your veins, might I recommend Eric Smith's Slice of Life tale, You Can Go Your Own Way. It's magically nostalgic, earnest, and heartfelt, and it's wonderfully inconsequential, not an insult. I definitely recommend it. Please welcome to the show, Eric Smith. Hi, Eric.
1: Hooray! Thanks so much.
0: (laughs) Does that... uh, I I asked this... All, not all the time, but often when you sit there and listen to your bio being read to you, is it a weird experience still? I mean, you've been, in this, you've been in the game for a bit, but
1: yeah, sometimes a little bit, you know, uh, I I, ha- I have this routine when people ask me like, how's my day going or, or what am I up to? And I usually just shrug my shoulders and say, oh, just you know, busy with my books and my baby. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. That's like my, my short and sweet way to describe myself. So it's kind of nice to hear someone else uh, (laughs) talk about the actual books. (laughs) I mean,
0: it's, it's, it's an odd thing also because, you know, fingers crossed it will get longer and longer, which with, which each passing year, right. (laughs) Um, As far as the resume portion goes anyways, um, it is a weird thing. And I know authors are, and you're in the business of, 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 being an author, but but just helping authors succeed and stuff is, you know. I remember I was talking to I had uh, Fen Fen uh, Clark Pjla Clark on the show, and I mean his resume is uh, quite long, mm. and and I just I, you know had to edit it down. There's only so much time in the day, right? <laughs> and uh, we were we were talking about it, and he's just like, "Did I do all that stuff?" I'm like, "Yeah, you goddamn right, you did all that stuff." Like and he goes, it's, he, "He goes, it's it's weird." He 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 was one of the. People who answered the question with "Yeah, it is a bit odd to hear it sort of read back to you," especially even you haven't looked at it in a while. <laughs> what true? Let's, let's dole out a little bit of quick free advice here. Then, uh, what's should people? And I just talked to another author, author recently who doesn't even want his bio read on, on certain things. He just wants his like the 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 like the sort of the more personal aspects, like you know, so and so graduated from this school and lives here currently and does this and yada yada yada. He just wants his work to stand on its own so he mm. was more just he wants his bio just to be like basically just the stuff his books you know what i mean yeah so what what's what would you think what's your what's
1: your bit of advice on that yeah i like the personal stuff you know yeah I like the yeah personal stuff. the personal stuff makes you want to get to know an author you know like right the, the books are great and they're exciting and the titles can potentially grab you but like hearing that a writer likes to i don't know Play a lot of video games, or, or run around with their dog, or go fishing, or whatever it might be. Like those little flourishes, like I don't know, makes me want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, if goes your if it goes your way, yeah. Um,
0: it's I like it personally as somebody who speaks to authors because sometimes I can grab those things and that's something I can talk about. Because this show, I don't like to like ask the you know those, you know the five questions, right? Like, what's the book about? What inspired you to write the book? Yeah, you, you know the the five or five or six questions that authors get asked at nausea, <laughs> you know, when they're, when they're, out, <laughs> when they're out, out promoting their books. So I try and avoid those questions if I can. And, and to your point, a big part of this show is, is just you and I just, we're just going to fucking have a chat. Right. right. And, and a lot of it is just about like, I'm going to pull out some pers- stuff that I, that I key on. So like, to your point, play a lot of video games. I also play a lot of video games, pop punk. Right. I grew up listening to punk punk rock. So it's like already, I know we have a couple things in common that if I had to pull from, I know that I could. Right. So, um, But yeah, no, it's an interesting thing. And it's uh, in this age of what we were talking about, sort of all the tools that an author has in their toolbox to help, I guess, for lack of a better word, promote themselves, right? Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, a a good website, a newsletter. Do you think any one is more important than the other? Or do they all just sort of like come together to form a super awesome, um, you know, <laughs> s- selling marketing experience for, for your
1: authors. Yeah. I think, I think it's all of it sort of glammed up together. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I love a newsletter because it's, it's the one way you can directly promote at somebody and they want to hear it. Right. Cause like yeah. Twitter and social media and all those other places, like people aren't on there to be promoted at they're on there to, you know, share and have a good time and and maybe connect with people. Uh newsletters, they want it. They want to get the content. They want it sent straight to them. So I think a mixture of both uh is is a good is a good idea.
0: Yeah. I've had this conversation so much the last couple of years because of obviously the pandemic and people are at home more and and authors have been in positions where they've been asked to promote themselves or do a little bit more marketing on social media. And this Mm -hmm. is a new invention in the grand scheme of the earth, isn't it? This idea of typically, you know, writers write and, you know, publicists publicize and and all that stuff, right? There's all these roles, but there's a little bit of intersectionality now, isn't there with being an author these days?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you and the publisher, you're on the same team, right? Like you're, you're both trying to make the book a success, Uh, but it's it's definitely a little bit more on the author uh, at, at times to try to get yourself out there because I mean... You know the, the publicists are stressed so are stretched so wildly thin oh, at publishing yeah. houses where they're yeah. working on you know maybe not just twenty books a season but maybe fifty you know and then they they only have so much time to dedicate to your book so it's it, it's good to be uh, on their team and helping as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I, I just I have such a sort of soft spot for authors who aren't comfortable doing that on social media oh, yeah. for, for all the reasons that you know that Twitter is a fucking can be a nightmare <laughs> someday, yeah, yeah. uh, um, And it's just, it's a downer most days and it's hard. And, and, and I know I've seen people write really thoughtful pieces on the return on that investment. Does it move units? Hmm. How many mun- units does it move? If any, is it worth my mental health to even do that? And it's just, everyone is just, I'm always fascinated by the answer because it's usually different. Mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone engages right just like anything else in life we're all you know no one no one thing is a monolith and everyone engages differently and some people use it as it's just it's purely themselves on twitter and some people it's just for marketing i'm always fascinated by the answer because it is a new phenomenon isn't it and um it's going to be interesting as we sort of re-emerge back into the world right If hopefully, <laughs> hopefully hopefully knock on wood you know the pandemic continues this current trend uh but uh it's going to be interesting to see sort of what things stick, even, you know, like Mm -hmm. virtual panels and and all these interesting things that have come up and um, that, you know, people have said, don't really sell any books, but are just fun to do. And it's a really great way to give uh, readers an enormous accessibility that you just don't have at obviously conventions and physical spaces. Right.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I really hope virtual panels stick around because I mean, I, I, I wouldn't get to talk to as many people as I do you know, right. if it was just all just in person. So yeah, I, I'm a fan. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just, I just think of, you know, if, if you're in, usually at panels and conventions, festivals, whatnot, you know, you're in a room, maybe there's a few hundred people, a thousand, if you're lucky, if the room's huge. Um, but I mean, shit, a, a virtual, I mean, anyone who's got the internet. <laughs> can, yeah. Can yeah, tune yeah. yeah. In, right. It's amazing. But uh, anyways, yeah, um, wanted to lean into a little bit on that sort of get some, it's always good to get some free advice out there because we are in the midst of, <laughs> well, we are in the midst of that, you know, DV pit is we're in the middle of that. And I'm just such a huge fan of all these, these different ways that the author and the communities really help each other. It's so cool. And I love it. Um, you know, men, mentees becoming mentors and um uh, this whole pay it forward idea, I'm such, I'm so in love with it. I think it's so friggin' cool. Um, so anytime I get somebody who's been on both sides, like you know, like had Margot Wood on here earlier in the year, and it's always great to like, get, you know, have have those people out there who are maybe intimidated by the whole publishing industry and maybe they're right to be so because it can be a pretty freaking <laughs> scary place. It's always great to get somebody with some some good some good sage sound advice. Um,
1: yeah, it, it shouldn't be scary, you know. It really, it really shouldn't. Um,
0: I think it's just I think it's a lot of like anything else maybe it's the unknowns Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I mean and I think there is enough sort of stuff floating out there about how insidious it can be like any industry I would imagine Um, but it's good to have to balance we got to have we got to combat that with the Eric Smiths right who are here to say (laughs) well or who are here to say just be real and honest about it but at the same time be like listen guys yeah I know there's this talk but there's also this right so it's uh, super important you, um. so you are an agent and an author. What was the plan and which, do you have a preference? <laughs> what was it? Do I have what? <laughs> do you have a preference?
1: Uh, oh, that's a really good question. I, I I think I like being an agent better than I, than I like writing my own books. Um, Why is that just because that's you? kind of, that's kind of how I'm built. You know, I, I like yeah. to help other people. It makes me really happy. Uh, I like to champion the kind of stories that, uh, I can't really tell, you know, so it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, the plan was always to write. Uh, it wasn't always to be an agent. You know, I, I worked in publishing for a couple of years at a place called Quirk Books, who I think sent you a lot of books. We, I worked on the William Shakespeare Star Wars books for, for, for quite a while. Yep. And then, um, yeah, and then I became an agent when I wasn't really finding myself moving up. You know, there was no... Uh, editorial jobs available I wanted to work on on books myself and uh agenting happened to be the the, the best kind of route to to do that so uh yeah it's like that's it's always been to write
0: that's kind of bonkers to me only because like this is gonna sound bad but
1: it's <laughs> no, fine
0: but but like agent to me just seems like such an arbitrary thing to choose um and like no insult at all, no, 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 no. none meant. But but it, it's such a, and only because it's like, it, there isn't to me there isn't an easily identifiable path to it, right? Like there isn't mm-hmm. like a college course agent yeah. 10, agent one hundred one, right? Like or you know there's no degrees to be an agent. It's it's a it's a it's a zigzag path to to be an agent. I would imagine um, either a gateway to something else in the industry or something you've fallen back on. And please, please correct me if I'm wrong. If no, no. I'm I mean, I any mean, of this stuff. Like... But okay, so I want to be an agent. What's What's the first thing you would think to do, or a good thing, a good talk about toolbox is a good tool to have on your tool belt?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, being an agent kind of fell into the same space as being an editor, where it was someone who works on books, someone who polishes them up, someone who champions them forward. Uh, for me, it was you know getting my masters in English and and sort of focusing my whole college career uh, on writing and, and books and the like. Uh, in terms of finding your way into agenting, you know, a lot of people do it in different ways. Some people do it through interning uh, at an agency where you kind of learn the skills that you need uh, to be an agent, like negotiating contracts and, and all that complicated stuff. Uh, and other people enter it in the way that I did, where they they worked in publishing and they came in through that kind of gateway. Um, yeah, 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 there's a... There's a Couple different routes. Yeah.
0: It it seems sort of like there's so much intersectionality there, isn't there? Like, I mean, obviously getting an English degree is vastly (laughs) very important. Um, and and, then even a business, something in business would be hugely important valuable as well. Some lawyers to our agents. Did you when you decided to be an agent, had you lined up a client already? No, no, I just
1: kind of went in without. Anything.
0: So, talk about the experience then of of trying to get clients and then landing your first one and how fucking happy you pr- must. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I we we opened my I opened up to uh, looking for clients like almost immediately once once I started the agency and uh, I got a lot of pitches right away. Um, some of the first people who pitched me were writers like uh, Dave Connis, who's a young adult author that I still work with uh, six years later. Uh, and Mike Chen, who's a, a very popular sci-fi writer who I also still work with six years later. He's, he's currently writing a Star Wars novel. That's right. Uh, and it was it was wildly exciting, you know, like getting all these. Mike's been on the show
0: and- a couple of times, actually, because, yeah, for, for, his em- <laughs> for his Empire anthology short and then for uh, We Could Be Heroes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's wonderful, you know, yeah. and it was it was wildly exciting,
1: like hearing from people that you know didn't really even know me all that well yet, but were absolutely certain that I'd be the person who would understand their work. Uh, just it just felt really really great. That's so
0: important, eh? Just that relationship. Like, oh yeah, I mean. It's one of those things where like, let's say, I don't know if this is, is if there's a ranking of, of agents, <laughs> you know, like it's a tournament of championship tournament for agents or whatever. Like, you know, would you go with the best, well-known, fiercest agent in the world, knowing for sure there's probably a pretty good guarantee it's going to, there's going to be a good return on that, but that person's a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a deal with the devil, I guess. Maybe is a good way to put it, right? Like, or or do you go with the person who you just have a real strong connection with, but maybe is a bit of an unknown or or you know doesn't have that track record yet?
1: I think people are more driven towards the the person they get along with yeah. better. You know, yeah. uh, it's such a personal business relationship you know personal slash business relationship where like you get to know each other really really well you know you're you're working on these creative projects that mean something significant to the writer uh you know you become friends
0: well they're they're
1: opening their heart yeah they're
0: opening their heart to you in a way aren't they i mean yeah like these books a lot of these books they write are very personal to them and and uh and that's whether they have injected some type of their own Themselves in the book or not it's just a very they spend a lot of time with these books and these characters and mm-hmm. a lot of time especially when it's their first book they've spent years um, it can be a very yeah I agree I think you're right I think it's more it's definitely more important to to have that connection and then and then you know let the chips fall where they may of course oh, but absolutely. um yeah um talk about um you know so now like so that's the agent stuff you're an author as well i'm holding in my hand um allies i wrote i reviewed oh, it yeah i wrote a review on it when it came out uh, dk contacted me because uh, um i they know i very 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 much try to be an ally never accuse myself of being one <laughs> um but i try to be and uh so they asked if i would say a few words about it and i actually ended up quoting you in my review um uh it can feel impossible to choose your battles when you have no idea what people are fighting with you about. I thought that was an incredibly important, important mm-hmm. line uh, in your story, mm-hmm. Eric. Um, especially for young people. Obviously, it's can be very fucking confusing when you're out and about, right? Uh-uh. At, at school, on the streets, doing whatever your you know kids do these days, even online. Um, <laughs> and someone's treating you a certain way, and you have no idea why. And that can be and that could be because yeah your, your family unit doesn't like to discuss that types of things or you're just not at that age yet where they think it's appropriate to discuss it and you know, they're maybe still trying to protect you from the evils of the world or whatnot. Talk about sort of the, getting to write that story for allies because these all these stories and allies, which are all great are really are really I mean like you this is non fiction obviously. you need to yeah, open, yeah. you need to open up and tell your personal a personal part of your life either as an ally or, or needing an ally or, you know what I'm saying? So just talk about that experience.
1: I mean, it was really hard. I, uh, Had you thought uh, about that stuff in a while? No, not for a little bit, you know? (laughs) I mean, I do think about the adoption stuff pretty much all the time because that's just who I am, but yeah, my, my. Did you ever find your, I keep interrupting you. Sorry. Did
0: you ever find, track down your uh, parents, your biological Oh yeah. No, we have a a really lovely
1: relationship. Okay, cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 the challenge there in, in writing that piece uh, comes from the fact that, you know, I write about adoption all the time. A lot of my short stories dig into it and, and, and talk about it. Um, but the, uh, on, like the reality side of things is that, you know, when you're a transracial adoptee, so when you're a person of color adopted by like a white family, you uh, you're kind of you can sometimes be raised without the identity that you would otherwise uh be raised with you know so i was brought up in this situation where you know i wasn't raised as you know eric smith the like hispanic middle eastern guy i was raised as eric smith the the irish catholic kid uh so a lot of the identity stuff that people were like picking on me about when i was growing up i didn't understand i was like i don't know what any of this is what is why, why are people making fun of me because I'm brown like it, it was something that was like completely alien to me uh and it wasn't until I, I had this like wonderfully diverse inclusive group of friends that I, that I grew up with where we were old enough to kind of well where they were old enough to really understand more of this stuff that they kind of took me aside and were like hey so this is what's happening to you I, I know no one is explaining to this to you at home you know maybe maybe we're the ones that need to do that. And, you know, a lot of people who write about adoption write about like chosen families and found families. Cause that's a lot of what it is, right? You're, you're, you're a person who's been chosen by a family as opposed to your, your, your birth family. Uh, and that's, that's who my friends were as a, as a teenager. They were my, my chosen family who, who scooped me up in addition to my, my adoptive one. So that's, that's kind of where that came from. You know, that that's, that's, That's kind of my nonfiction YA story of my teen youth uh, that I distilled into that that essay there. Well, it's a trope for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, yeah,
0: that's that's what I'm like. This, like, your story. I mean, I'm sure I've read it a hundred times, right? Like, just I mean, in other you know, in other iterations, right? Like, it is a, it is a, and and it's but it's it's your real life, and it's such an interesting thing too um, when you look at it from that perspective because. Uh, when you talk about these types of things, it can be difficult for sure, but it's important that other people understand that things like what was like redacted said to you, uh, uh, get some real parents or whatever the line was. Oh, yeah. uh, like just <laughs> such stupid, <laughs> fucking dumb shit, right? And like, but like it's it's important that you, you know, you give even these things like this or the boys will be boys lying. Give it the weight it deserves. Only, and I don't mean give it any credibility, but I just mean understand the intent of the of language. How important language is, right? The intent and the intent of it, and being able to recognize it. And again, back to your quote about it's hard to choose your battles when you have no idea what you're what you're even fighting about. So, um, did you ever? It doesn't really say in the story. Have you looked up redacted and redacted number two? Are they? What are they?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, one of them. I mean, they're never going to listen to this podcast, so I'm not terribly worried. But like, yeah. uh, one of them, I, I'm I'm good friends with his wife, you know, and like we we hung out and talked about him. <laughs> so like, I I know how some of them turned out.
0: And, that's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I know that. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the good guys win sometimes, right? Is that uh, <laughs> that's that's the deal. Um, yeah. Anyways, really, really, really thoughtful. Really great story, Eric, in, in and anyone out there who hasn't uh, picked it up, it's full of full of great things like that, and uh, from a wonderful long list of of wonderful storytellers, and uh, beautifully edited by Shakira and Dana, and um, yeah, really, 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 really great book. So I definitely recommend that. Speaking of books, I recommend. Um, Oh, where should we start? Let's go, let's do a little, um, listen, the focus of of this book, the summary is way too long. I'm definitely not reading the summary. Um, uh, So I might lean on you a little bit just to sort of like tell me what you think the heart of the story is, but let's, let's, but, but it's, it's, you're clearly setting up and I don't know if this is true to life or not, but there's a, there's a fondness. There's this beautiful sentimentality throughout the entire book about old not old, but older, old-ish things, right? Um, arcades, older music, you know, vinyl. Like you don't even you know what I'm trying to say. Like this, yeah. this sort of like, which is now, I guess, classic. It's classic to some people, but to us who li- <laughs> who, who lived it, and you know, who still live it to a certain degree, uh, it's it's this book is just like it's got so much beautiful nostalgic and sentimentality in it how much of that is is stuff that maybe you personally experienced and we'll just start with something like arcades for example because i grew up like I, i've been in a lot of friggin arcades and <laughs> it was i lived through them closing um and then even now with things like barcade and all these things this this re-emergence of them where it's i won't maybe not trendy necessarily i don't think it's big enough to be a trendy maybe you would disagree i don't know but it's found a second life, I guess, maybe we'll, we'll say. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah. yeah, What's, what's your experience with that? Because you speak in great detail about it. Like the way you describe the arcade is just like brought me right back to a few more than a few that I've been in.
1: (laughs) That makes me so happy. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I I definitely grew up around arcades when I was a kid. Uh, we, we used to go down the shore. Oh my goodness. Uh, to like Belmar and, and Point Pleasant and all these places when I was little, um, you know every it felt like almost every weekend in the summer we would head down to my my uncle's beach house and there on the boardwalk were all these just massive arcades and just like the claw games the pinball machines the endless rows of street fighter 2 <laughs> cabinets and uh i don't know just, there's just always been something so magical about about going to those places you know there's just this energy that reverberates around those spaces and uh, I know I just want to try to to capture a little bit of that magic uh, while talking about someone that's having a hard time uh, letting go uh, of the past. At the same time,
0: it's it's one of those things that, and I know again, there are places around that do it today, and there are places you can go and, and coin op games, ticket ticket places, and all these different things and stuff, and, and 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 a lot of them are really really great, and I've enjoyed my time at many of them. But to your point, I, I don't know if you can re- replicate that energy. You know what I mean? Like, when we, mm-hmm. like it was like an atomic bomb went off when you walked into these places, wasn't it? I, the only, honestly, the only thing I can compare it to is like walking into a casino.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can absolutely see that. Just, just, <laughs> just
0: how it attacks the five senses, right? And I mean, even like it smells a certain way, and that could be sweat and 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 bo, <laughs> <right>? from, <laughs> from from the from us kids who have just been there for twelve hours or whatever, and. Um, and just you know the food spilt on the floor and soaked into the carpet and whatever else right like but it's just it's such an attack on all five senses it's it's quite a thing and I have such amazingly wonderful strong memories from it and uh, this book definitely brought me back to a few of them so you know which was I assume your point but you know there's going to be this thing in this book where and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't no, I'm not saying you pitted one against the other, but there is this sort of like, I think it's, I think it's a more of like changes hard theme rather than an old versus new, you know? Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but it does sort of feel like the, what was that dumb movie? Uh, uh, you've got mail? It? Yes. Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Right. What was it? What was the, you've got the, mail yeah, yeah, books versus the, uh, the Barnes and Noble-ish kind of place. What was her shop called? A uh, little shop on the corner shop around the corner. Yeah. Something like that. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 definitely has that vibe for sure. Um, and not, not, you didn't plagiarize it. Of course this is, well, that movie didn't, that movie didn't invent did, I mean, David and Goliath invented that if you want to go that far back, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so this isn't, you know, there is a bit of that vibe in universe, but I think what, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you're trying to just say is change is hard and, and sometimes, you know, this isn't about letting the, the fucking big faceless corporation win. It's more about just like letting go in a healthy manner. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 Letting go. And that like, you know, even though things change and, and, and people grow up and they grow apart, it's it's also never too late to find your way back, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, you know, I I think that's what's happening in a big way with arcades all over the place right now. People that's are right. finding their way back to them. and uh, And I love that.
0: Yeah. It's very cool. And like, yeah. And, and again, you know, anytime I've been in one recently, especially in a big city and, and you, if I'm traveling somewhere and I see one, I go in, it doesn't matter what yeah. else, I, it doesn't matter what else I'm doing. Yeah. So, so I'm the same way with uh, record shops too. Cause I still collect LPs. Um, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'll get to, we'll get to, uh, bump elbows in Charleston there in a couple of weeks, but, uh, um if you're still planning on going to Yell fest um oh yes definitely um if i'm walking around there i've already actually looked online for a couple of, for like record shops. <laughs> that is a really
1: good idea to do yeah, that. Yeah.
0: so uh, i'm always doing that but um you're right this idea of people sort of find these things again and it's and it's not a bunch of us old cranky dudes in these arcades either right like trying to hold on yeah. to our past it's it's a new generation of people experiencing it and uh you know, the problem of course, isn't getting people to enjoy their time in these places. The problem is finding parts for these machines, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> everyone has that problem, but um, all right. So uh, God damn it, Eric, the summary is way too long. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's give me the heart. What's the beating heart of this book? You can go So, either, right? okay. yeah. so the beating yeah. part of the book
1: yeah. is uh, we meet a teenager named Adam who is running his uh, dead father's pinball arcade. It's, it's, the thing that's sort of the family arcade it's the way that he stays attached to his dad and he is in a lot of ways kind of trapped in everything that his dad loved he's all about these old machines he's all that old music he wears an rem leather jacket uh it's it's really hard for him to to let go uh and on the other side of it is is whitney whose father runs a chain of esports gaming cafes. Uh, and her dad is pretty dead set on taking over uh adam's father's arcade to launch a new cafe uh in the space um and as the two of them sort of come to a head because they clearly don't like each other they're fighting online all the time they're these rivals uh we start to learn that they were friends once upon a time and they uh yeah they get snowed in together and uh Maybe get a little bit closer, and that's that's kind of what the, the jacket copy says, I suppose, <laughs> without any spoilers. Uh, um,
0: yeah. So, what does it say? When a huge snowstorm hits, they find themselves trapped inside the arcade, and we get some wonderful, uh, like you know, single uh, single sleeping bag tropes, and <laughs> <laughs> nature nature happens basically at that point. Na- na- nature takes over. Um, but that's that's the nice thing about these books too is uh, you know sometimes. You, you want that that predictability to it, don't you? Like you don't, yeah. uh, you just, because yeah. you, you know it it's becomes more about the journey, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. not necessarily maybe will they end up as, for at least friends again, um, but can they, are they able to get sort through all their shit? Um, what I loved about the two mm-hmm. points of view in this book um, and because they both come from, uh, one's a broken family, one's, yeah, his father, Adam's father's died. Um, So they both have this sense of uh, their family units are disrupted in massive, massive ways, obviously. Um, And they're both so it's interesting how Adam is so eager to please the dead and Whitney's eager to please the living. Mm -hmm. Um, But both are seemingly failing only from the point of view is where it's doing more harm to themselves. You know what I mean? So yeah. It's and it's not what either parent, if they were honest with themselves, would probably want for their children either, right? So these are exactly. things they have. These are things they have to resolve. And I really appreciated that how they both have that in common at least. Um, and they of course approach it from from in different ways. I also really appreciated. I'm such a huge friggin' fan of process. So whenever you get something and break it down and tell me how it's built, even the history of it. I'm I'm fucking in, Eric. And like, and so on Adam's side, we have this pin. That's the thing about this arcade is it's, it doesn't even have stand-ups. It's so old school, it's just pinball, right? So they're not even helping themselves with stand-up machines. It's all like it's just straight up pinball, which is great. Um, so Adam obviously has this uh this love with pinball machines and not just not just playing them in the beeps and the boops, but the insides, the internals, how they're made, and, and these things are really Incredibly complicated machines oh, yeah. um, and the engineering behind them, and just how many different disciplines are involved in making these machines. And he's like all in on that. And Whitney is because her mom owns, a, I like you called it the plant boutique. Um, <laughs> crumbs um she come her that process of growing things you know getting your hands dirty understanding flora and fauna and how they respond to different you know stimuli and environments again process right dig into the process and that makes you appreciate it. I think that much more is that kind of what you were going for with those sort of like opposing like different things but an appreciation for you know like how it's made like a tv show or something
1: yeah, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's so funny you're talking about the, the pinball machines and like the the bits and the pieces and how they work and all the parts because the the original draft of this book uh, had so much more about the, the nitty gritty of how the pinball machines work and the parts and the pieces. And I just remember having this wonderful talk with my editor about it. And she's like, I understand you did a lot of research to write this book and to do all the stuff with the pinball. Um but what is the book really about? And I was like, why, what? what are you talking about? She's like, well, it's not about pinball, right? Like it's about the relationships. So like maybe dial back a bit of this stuff uh, and make sure you're using the pinball machines and all these things that you've done all this research for to, to talk about those relationships in a meaningful way. And now I think about that all the time when I'm oh, writing. Oh,
0: if, if like I can I'm go writing back writing in time to that, that meeting, is I actually like, about. like- yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, it is about that. And I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, get, I mean, listen, I get it. I would never, I would never go against the wishes of an editor, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, no, my advice that back then would have been like, no, leave it in, just make the book longer. <laughs> <laughs> um I would have loved, I'd love to read that. Cause I, that is super rad. Like that was this um, light from uncommon stars, this book that just came out a couple of few weeks ago, um, Riki Elke, and uh, you know, it's all about the violin and stuff. And she just, it's like for violin nerds out there. It is, this is like, it's like, it's like violin porn. Like it is just like so incredibly. And it goes into the history. It's so awesome. And I, I, I'm such a huge fan of that. So I appreciate it. Um, what amount there was in this book. So it sounds like there was a lot more at one point, which I would love to read that too. Um, so much, actually, that you came up with the art and zen of pinball repair by James Watts. <laughs> um, it had me fooled. I had to look it up. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, hold on, is there a book I haven't read on pinball? Um, James Watts, it's. it's this is you know adams bible i guess for lack of a better word um, yeah. it, it's also the sort of like this sage this voice that sort of hangs over the the whole his part of the story anyways talk about sort of this idea of having this because it is almost a third point of view in a lot of ways
1: yeah yeah no and then, you know he uses that book uh to to sort of i don't know the book I, I tried to have the book uh like bookend the important things that are happening in the chapters you know like right. one chapter digs into friendship a little bit and we get an interesting quote from, from Watts about that. Um, it was kind of my sneaky way to still talk about pinball. A yeah, lot. <laughs> that's right. I was
0: just going to say, it's like, instead of it, they're like, you know, when you got told all those edits, you're like, well, I'm going to throw this in here then that'll make up for all the stuff. Yeah. Because it's not just, I mean, it certainly is, of course, a, a maintenance repair book in a lot of ways. It's like, um, but uh, you know, you really lean into, Again, another thing I love is this this idea of how when you're when you love something in, in different communities, whether it's you know pinball or video games or cosplay or whatever it is you know, the way it's like, sort of like that Zapier-Whorf uh, theory where, you know, it changes the way your brain works when you mm-hmm. are when you, when you learn a new language, right? This is, this is no different. When you learn the language of pinball and you get into it and you're obsessed with it, it really does change the way you think. And I really love, love the way you philosophize the approach to it because you can't, because it, it's not something you can half-ass, is it?
1: Yeah, no, no. And I, and I think that's a big part of being a, being a geek. That's yeah. Right. Like, that, that thing that you're so wildly passionate about becomes a part of your your personality and, and who you are.
0: Do you have anything like that anymore in your life? Or are you just so busy with work and family now?
1: Well,
0: listen, I got tons playing. of listen, i got I'm, I'm old enough and I, got, I don't have kids myself. I'm not going to have any. Um, so I'm wonderfully selfish where I can still indulge all my favorite things <laughs> just simply because I have the time to, right, that others don't.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like books and video games are my are my big uh yeah. geek out things where they're still, you know, well obviously books are a part of my personality, but yes. like video games like I I spend a lot of time on Etsy looking up cosplay outfits for for the day my kids old enough that I can be irresponsible with money again.
0: <laughs> that would be like it's funny, the only time I ever and I mean it's not happening, but the only time I ever fantasize about having a kid is is when I'm at a convention and I see, (laughs) right? And I see these little kids having just like, it's, it might as well be, fuck, it's Wonderland for them, right? Like imagine, imagine that's your thing. And every, imagine your thing is princesses. Then you go to, then you go to a place where there's hundreds of them, it must be like, it's amazing, right? So, I mean, that's the only time I ever fantasize. I'm like, man, that'd be cool to have a kid for that. But I mean, I've got nieces nephews, so I'll just borrow one when I need to. (laughs) Um, So how much reading do you do for pleasure these days?
1: I mean, I try to read one book a week.
0: Yeah, um, you know, and, I mean, usually, and I mean, pure pleasure, right? Like not, not a yeah. manuscript or anything like that. Yeah.
1: Oh no, just for joy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll pick up a rom-com. Um, that, that's been my big thing lately. I just finished like the X-Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon, which I, yep. oh my God. I, 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 I've, I read a lot of books where I get really angry that I didn't write them, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> that's funny.
0: And what else have you read this year that, that you just... Loved, loved, loved.
1: Oh goodness! The it's just because we're
0: getting to the end. Of, we're getting to the end of the year here, so I, I you yeah, know, all, yeah. all of our brains are thinking of like favorite books of 2021. <laughs> like my, um, I usually take a break over the holidays, but my last guest and my last show of the year is going to be Kaylin Bayron because uh, uh, this Poison Heart is probably my
1: favorite book this year. Yes. Oh no, Kaylin's amazing, and uh, yeah, I read. Um, oh, what was that book called? Oh, Shipped by Angie Hockman, which yep. is like yep. rom com on the cruise ships and. Yep. I reread the Bromance Book Club series because they just make me so happy. Um, (laughs) Like, it's just such a fun, like, bunch of kind of semi-toxic alpha men learning to be better dudes yeah yeah romance novels like oh man i just i that's
0: such a that's such a great concept too eh? Like what a wonderful idea yeah (laughs) yeah that's what i do for when i'm in a it's hard because i'm always as a blogger i'm always trying to read ahead right but Mm -hmm. when i'm in a slump what i'll do is go back and just reread something that i loved yeah
1: yeah, no, that's always, that's always yeah. a good idea.
0: Yeah. That's the slump buster. Um, yeah, right on. It's always fun this time of year. Everyone, we start to think back and talk about all the books. It's hard to, and same for you, I'm sure, a little bit, where like I've been reading 22 books now, like 2022 books now for a bit. So oh, yeah. Well, well <laughs> it's such, such a weird thing, right? But uh, oh,
1: And you know what I really loved? I read uh, Payback's a Witch by Lana Harper. I, just, I read that two weeks ago, because I it, I read it like the second it showed up. Right. And I, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, and I don't know what happened, but it felt like all at once in in like a single week, we got a bunch of like witch rom-coms that all published at the same time. Like it's, the X-Hex by Aaron Sterling um, showed up the same time that, that Lana Harper one came. And yeah. It's, all funny how,
0: it's funny how things are like that. Eh? They just go in these weird groups and, and it can't be planned, obviously, because why would you want to? Re- yeah, yeah. Re- release a similar book the same time as somebody else. But yeah, it is a funny the trends this this industry takes. It's so so funny too. Talking to Rosie Brown too next week, of course, is releasing awesomeness uh, Storms of Storms and Silence. Um oh. uh she's got a you know a Rick Warden presents vampire book coming out, a middle grade and uh and she even she was just saying like it's even though she admit you know was, was honest about writing it she also want would love to see a year of just like werewolf stories <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just fun and from every angle right middle grade ya rom-com contemporary whatever yeah yeah i was like yeah they it's time they need they need their dude um <laughs> uh talk to me about swedish fish candy seems way too specific to not be something
1: from real life ah uh, yes so, <laughs> so it is something from real life. so uh so yeah and you can go your own way there's there's a there's a whole thing involving adam's best friend where he uh, whenever you're talking about really big feelings, you, you get a piece of candy and you have to eat the candy and talk about the feeling. Um, so when I was in high school, we had these things that my friends called uh, Tootsie Roll meetings where we would get together and we'd have a bag of Tootsie Rolls. And when there was any conflict or someone was upset, uh, you'd give that person a Tootsie Roll. you tell them how you were feeling and that person would eat the Tootsie Roll and that's it. You got over it. And it was a very just a wildly healthy thing for a bunch of kids to be doing in, uh, in like 1999. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a real thing, but um, I, yeah. I don't like Tootsie Rolls. So I, I used fish <laughs> in the <park>. um,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I definitely like, as soon as I remember it just came up and I was like, yeah, that's, I wrote that down. And I was like, that's way too specific. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we, you know, like I said, the, the summary sort of talks about Adam and Whitney are stuck together inside the, uh, I don't know if they'll ever, I mean, it's, it's tough because I know the weather gets pretty bad in Philly, you know, I I have to imagine they, this, I just feel like this, it gets shut down every year, the old, old city winter festival. (laughs) (laughs) They have good intentions every year, but it gets shut down every year. Um, It gets, I mean, it kind of gets a little, it gets pretty perilous. Actually, it's a pretty bad storm, but um, it's sort of one of, it's one of the many things you sort of throw into this mix to sort of really throw a hiccup and everything. Um, but one of them, like the overriding theme is sort of one dad is dead. The other one might as well be type of idea because this book approaches grief and loss. It's a big you know, reason why Adam does the things he does. Is a big reason why Whitney <laughs> does the things she does. And they're not always, and they're not always healthy things that they do too. Right. So like we talked about, yeah, yeah. Um, talk about you approaching that because it's tricky grief. You know, it's, it's, I've seen it in you, yourself too, in books, I've seen it done well and I've seen it done not very well.
1: <laughs> so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess Adam's Adam's grief is um, I guess it's a, a little more imagined than than what Whitney goes through. I'm, I'm fortunate; my parents are both still here. Yeah. Um, but but with with Whitney, her problem where she's constantly working uh, because she feels like the only way she can be loved is through is through working, is through like doing well is through doing all that stuff. That that's from like some real places. You know, I, I love my family terribly, but. I definitely grew up in the kind of family where, like, if you didn't do good in school, well, we're just not going to talk to you for a couple of days. You know, that was the kind of situation that it was like. So, so yeah, Whitney's constant desire to, like, prove herself as someone that's worthy of attention and worthy of being loved is, is a little pull from my uh, childhood. Um, yeah, Adam's loss, uh, that's just, I think. I just, I guess I just made it up. You know, um, the, the the fact that he's uh, longing for something that's not quite there and, and, and chasing after uh, all these things was something that was kind of pulled as a result of writing this book in the pandemic. You know, mm. um, like a lot of the places oddly in the book don't exist anymore because they all went out of business over the course of the pandemic. And the reason there's that winter festival and there's all that joy and all those things Those were all places I was missing a whole lot, you know, while we were kind of stuck in our houses. Um, So, yeah, some of the sadness regarding all those, you know, spots, uh, I think, pulled their way into the character.
0: You really balance sort of the two in different ways as far as, like, you know, Adam experiences, you know, the worst loss maybe a child could experience as far as a parent is concerned. But you also give him a wonderful, you know, best friend. Chris is yeah is is fantastic right like he's he's everything you want in a friend and you everything you want for adam in that situation you know that ride or die mentality type of thing right um, yeah yeah
1: and there's a there's a funny side story about chris because i based him on my best buddy named chris and uh why <laughs> when my editor originally read the manuscript she was like you know this Friend is too good of a friend, uh, <laughs> and I was like, "That's funny you say that because he's real. Like he's, this is this is actually what he would do." <laughs> That's funny that they
0: would say that. Yeah, just sort, sort of like uh, it's. I guess it's got a. It's laced with a little bit of cynicism, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make downplay Chris at all, but he's, he is a really good friend, but it's not like he's <laughs> Superman either. I mean, he just does. What I mean. He kind of, it's kind of normal shit, isn't it? I don't know, I guess, but yeah. he is a really fucking good dude though, for sure. Um, uh, Whitney he struggles with friends a little bit because you just, you know, one of the reasons why even as the book will reveal, we won't get into it too much, obviously, but uh, sort of like you mentioned earlier, Whitney and Adam were friends sort of when they were younger and they drifted apart and Whitney sort of runs with a different crowd now and um that crowd is just different isn't it it's a little bit different and Whitney and Whitney doesn't really have a Chris in her life um it's so again with this balance where it's like she has a dad but no Chris and Adam has no dad but a Chris (laughs) so it's like this really I don't know if that was on purpose or not but it's had this really wonderful sort of things seem to balance each other out in a big way and uh how you're able to sort of have these, I mean, I mean, it seems so obvious and tropey in so many ways on looking at this from the outside, right? Like, all oh, winter storms stuck, <laughs> stuck at the arcade, one sleeping bag, yeah, yeah. yada, all these sort of like types of ideas. But I really, really, I, I feel like there's a little bit of subversion here too. And there's a little bit more going on than that. And I really, that's kind of what I really appreciated. And I found that by the end of it, I was really like found myself thinking about sort of all these little nuancey type things and not caught up in, in, uh, The rivals to lovers thing, whatever they're calling it. Um, I was, I found that I was less caught up in that and more caught up in looking at their relationship from all the things that I just mentioned, right? Like how, how, how somebody, how somebody turns out the way they do when they have a Chris in their life or don't. And then I started thinking about, I started thinking about your allies book and how that sort of bleeds into that. And even Adam is, is, uh, biracial. Um, mm-hmm. right? His mom is uh, Palestinian, his dad's Sicilian and he, I kept thinking about like how much of the story because I read Allies did I read Allies first? I can't remember the order but I remember thinking that like <laughs> yeah like this is, in, this is a really cool message going on here and I really appreciate all the nuance of it regardless of how this book ends that's kind of the stuff I found that I was thinking about a day or two after so but to me you know this is there's no question here just telling you how much I enjoyed the book and I think it's I think it would be easy to dismiss this book as just sort of like this fun, happy surface level stuck in a snowstorm thing where I think there's I think there's a lot more going on.
1: Oh, thanks <laughs> so much,
0: Steve. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can't, like I said, I think we've we've covered enough without getting into spoiler territory. But uh yeah, there's there's some really cool things in this book too, like the next fab idea. And, and I don't know if that's a real place or not, but it's yeah, no, it totally is a real place. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a really fun place to uh to work for sure. And There's an interesting, too, bit of story to this that there's a a little, it's not a B plot, but this interesting thing that Adam is working on through this entire book that he's never able to finish on his own Mm. and talk about, like, that was so important to his, (sighs) it's, yeah, it's hard to, I don't want to get into it, but it's like this this whole idea of him letting go and uh, this, this, this incompleteness right this idea you know that that happens to be just the thing that he's focused on but just how that relates to life and feelings towards loss and dealing with grief and fe- this feeling of this hole inside you and it never gets done and how frustrating that can be and it's quite it was good i enjoyed it um
1: oh my God.
0: so this 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 will air after the book comes out but release week anyways which is next week um what yeah, do, you got, yeah. what do you, you got going on anything uh, that week uh, super cool for the launch or
1: uh, yeah, so I'm doing a a book launch the week after with uh, Harriet's Books, in uh, Philadelphia, and they are they teamed up with Brooklyn Bowl, which is a uh, like a bowling alley slash restaurant slash concert venue to to have me have a book event upstairs in the in the space. So uh, I get to do an in person event for the first time in forever.
0: Cool. So.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun, and then that we're is... then we're
0: off to the office. Yeah, that's really cool. We'll have to make sure I'll I'll, I'll find you and and um, oh yes please and, and give you a high five or whatever it is we're allowed to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> scan each we'll scan each other's uh, hand, hands handshake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's how we're doing. I don't even know. Um, it's this will be yeah well that yeah y'all will be my first uh, first one for sure too and. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm nervous, but I'm definitely. It's just I think because it's the first one. Once I'm there, I'll be fine. I think and see see how everything's in place and that I'm full confidence in the people running it. Right, that everything will <sighs> be in place and no issues there. But uh, it, I think, it's just because it's the first trip and I have to fly, so um, it's going to be uh, having to deal with airports and all that shit too. And yeah, anyways, um, all right. Well, I assume uh, that event will be um, on EricSmithRocks.com and or at least all your social media places oh definitely perfect well everyone check those out for that event and uh in person too that's really cool that sounds like a cool venue as well it reminds me of uh detroit's got a really cool place called matchstick and it's so it's punk rock bowling alley down on the main level and then concerts upstairs yeah it's a really cool and they have great food there too really really great spot sounds and it actually sounds like fireside bowl in chicago as well another good punk rock bowling alley um Now we're rambling, Eric. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I think you can tell I'm I'm really not one. I'm not prone to bullshit. I really enjoyed this book. Yeah, it really. My pleasure. Thanks. Checked all those wonderful boxes for me. Like I said, it took me back in time. (laughs) um, But I really, really appreciate it. I think uh, this will appeal to to more people than just you know shitty forty year old white people. I think it's going (laughs) to be. I think it's going to be a lot of people are going to find something to pull from this, and uh, and I think. there's you know just characters too i mean there's really not a stinker in the bunch and uh but but definitely uh two great leads in adam and whitney and we'll throw in uh james watts in there as well so <laughs> <laughs> thanks eric i can't thank uh, for coming on and uh, good luck with the launch
1: thanks so much steve i appreciate it
0: there you have it another episode of everything is canon all wrapped up huge thanks to eric for taking the time to chat with me you can go your own way like i said is more than meets the eye and i definitely recommend checking it out It's out now, so pick up a copy wherever you buy your books and head on over to ericsmithrocks.com for more information. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to cinelinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now.